hello everyone and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so much for watching us or listening to us today. My name is Bruce Johnson. I'm joined here in the lovely state of South Dakota with my good friend Joseph Lassiter. Hello. And we're also joined by my brother Jacob Johnson back in Pennsylvania. Hello. If you'd like to share this show, and we would love it if you would, with as many people as you possibly can, go to our website, which is trdshow.net, grab that link and share it with all the people you know. That link contains a list of links to all of the many platforms that we're on, and it also would tell people about the show. Also, uh, be ready. In the next couple of months, there are going to be some pretty big updates to the website, which I'm very excited about. I've been working on that for a little while now and uh, talking to uh, designers, and um, we actually had a designer in Scotland help us uh, design some new uh, designs, which was very exciting. Um, so we're very excited to, to be putting this together, so definitely keep on the lookout for that. Once it's ready, I will be announcing it on the show, um, but we're all very, very excited for that. So um, you can email the show at trdshow at protonmail.com. Again, that's trdshow at protonmail.com, and that's where you can send uh, questions, comments, data, anything you'd like to send our way. We'd love to hear from you. Um, that would be very exciting. As always, we would uh, love it if you could follow us on our um, first uh, pro First Amendment platforms that do not censor us uh, because they don't like what we uh, are talking about. And uh, those good platforms include Rumble, we're on Gab, Gab TV, Odyssey, um, and uh, I think that's all of them, right? Did I miss any? Pro First remember. Amendment platforms. I think that's all of them. <laughs> um, so follow us. Uh, that is not Pro First Amendment. <laughs> I think Spotify actually kicked Joe Rogan off. Like they're they're literally like just anybody they disagree with, they're gone. You know. Um, yeah. We're still on there though. Well, we are still on there for now, but uh, be prepared. <laughs> so um, yes, follow us on all of those. And uh, if you haven't followed our Gab page already, pause this right now. Pause it. Hit pause, and go. And follow our Gap page. <laughs> Do that. Yeah, right. Because that's where you are going to get all sorts of information. And um, it's really important that you do that. So, um, all right. Our theme this month, <clears throat> for this month and February as well. This is our last episode in January. How about that? January just flew by. The first month of 2022 is almost over. Um, wow. Our theme this month is what does it really mean to be salt and light in this dark world? world. So we're trying to tie everything back into that theme. Um, it, it is a huge topic, which is why we actually broke it up into two months instead of just one. Uh, all right. What is today's show going to look like? We're going to start out by talking about the current events of the week. A lot happens, so we have to break some of those things down, give you some perspectives on that. And just if you hadn't heard about these stories, this will bring some of those to light. And as always, we link all of those articles in the description, uh, whether you're listening to it as a podcast or as you're, if you're watching it, um, you can see those articles. And I highly encourage you to read those, delve into them a little bit. But after we talk about the current events, we are going to be moving on to uh, discussing the literature of the month. And that is is a huge, huge subject. Um, this month, uh, we are reading The Confessional County by uh, Raymond Simmons. Uh, very, very good book. And um, this week, we actually just read one chapter. Um, so we're going to be breaking down that chapter. And uh, you definitely don't want to miss that. But before we get to all of those all of those things, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And um, actually, this verse came up in the reading this uh, week. And I, I really, it stood out to me and I was like, we really need to talk about this verse. Um, 
it does uh it, it's very very good and applicable verse so uh, it's second chronicles chapter 17 verse 14 or i'm sorry chapter 7 verse 14 and it says if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and this last part very important heal their land and again that's second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 so that whole heal their land, I mean, we've been talking all about that with the confessional county, right? Land curses versus uh, restoring the land and, and uh, assuring God's blessings on the land, right? So this is directly from, uh, these are the words of God. This is what he said. If, if, if my people, his people, will who are called by his name, called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then he will forgive our sins and will heal our land. So this is really important um, to note this. And we're going to be getting into a lot more of this, this particular topic next week when we talk about chapter eight in the book. Um, but I thought that this was really important, um, how important it is to God that we humble ourselves, his people, we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek his face, we turn from our wicked ways. It starts at that level, starts at the individual level, but then it also bubbles up, right? He will forgive our sin, the individual, and will heal our land. That's going up to a national level, right? The civil government on a societal level, right? Heal our land. Um, so I, I think that's really, really important to, to discuss. So... All right, let's get into our current events. And uh, as always, Jake, we will start with you. All righty. So uh, like last week and the week before, I'm going to be talking about uh, some judicial matters that Ooh, not, uh, very recently happened, but I don't know if they're within the last week or so. Um, but the very first one is uh, the headline goes, uh, New York Supreme Court strikes down state's mask mandate for public spaces. Wow. That yeah. is oh, yeah. pretty amazing. Mask mandate oh. for public spaces. That's New York, the New York Supreme Court. Wow. Right. So this is in interesting. And the article brings up many questions, which it doesn't necessarily answer. Okay. And so I was kind of confused when reading this article. <laughs> um, but... Judicial matters often do that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the first uh, surprising point here is that it's in uh, New York. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Go no further. Wait a minute. Did that yeah. just say New York? <laughs> right. Right. And uh, so the, the kind of like how this case came about and sort of like the facts of the case uh, is, as the headline says, the New York Supreme Court uh, struck down a mask mandate for public spaces. Uh, and that would include government schools. So the, I think this was in cases of the public government schools and mm. that was brought up in the article. Wow. Uh, however, it isn't, it isn't specifically the government schools. That's just another part of it, but it's all public spaces. Mm. So, um, uh, the reason and or the um, the cause for the case is shows is shown here in a quote from the article, which uh, I will read here. Uh, the agency pointed 
to a case in Albany County where a state Supreme Court judge denied a challenge from two school districts ruling that Hoshul and the state's health commissioner have the authority to enact a mask mandate in schools. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right. Uh, Hoshul. Herschel? Is it Herschel County? No, it's not a county. That's oh. the governor. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The new governor. Yeah. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know her um, name very well. Yeah, no. I So I, I heard <clears throat> the, the governor's name in the article, but I was like, oh, I don't know what state that is. But <laughs> right. It was New York. Yeah, we're but, not used to saying anything other than yeah. uh, Cuomo, right? Cuomo. <laughs> right, yeah. I almost but, said de Blasio, so, then I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's the city, that's, that's the mayor. The mayor. <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, the case, so the reason for this case and the, why this case was brought up was because uh, two people from two school districts came to another Supreme Court judge to say that the governor and the health commissioner have the authority to enact mask mandates. And so the court, so since that judge denied those two uh, challenges, then this court case was brought up and immediately went through and so cut out the mask mandate. Uh, So it was brought up to the court because uh one, another court justice refused to hear the petitions of these two of two people wow so it's kind of like a domino effect is that what i'm gathering i might be reading into this incorrectly so it almost seems I like think, this happened as an indirect result of what you were just describing right 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 so these people brought up a petition towards mm. the court and i don't know why they brought up the petitions they just did saying that that the governor and the health commissioner have the authority to enact mask mandates saying that they do or they don't right and so the court (laughs) then put up a case saying that they cannot enact a mask mandate for okay public space so so the petition was uh petitioning them to to remedy what was going on and say that they don't have that ability right is that what the petition was for? No, the petitions were for that they do have the authority. Oh, wow. So the yeah. court took that. They were like, we know you want that, but uh, actually, now we actually have to make a decision, and we're going to say, yeah. nah, nope. Exactly. Wow. Yes. All right. Yep. Well, that yeah. is, I mean, that is entirely unexpected. I mean, I right. both sides of that, the people of New York petitioning, please keep us restricted, like... That's entirely unexpected. Well, like, it's really? The, it's the school <clears throat> districts putting in the petitions. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. I'm playing catch up here. There's just, there's so much <laughs> going on. That's my bad. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So they are, they the, are government pawns. So yeah. All right. I expect that. They buy into that religion. So yep. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The article <clears throat> doesn't go into great much detail as to why this mm. was started. I'm okay. assuming yeah. and from what I gathered from the article, that was the reason why it started. Hmm. But uh, <clears throat> that kind of seems a little bit odd that a court case was brought up just because of these two petitions that were denied. 
Yeah. So it's it's not even that they accepted the petitions and argued against the petitions. It's that they denied the petitions. <laughs> so then they then they made a ruling in this case. Interesting. Right. So that that's why this is a little weird and why I think there may be a little bit more to this. Mm, but the article playing just a game. Said, yeah. Right. And I do know that this article <clears throat> is a little bit left leaning. Oh. Okay. Because they Where's talk it? about. Do you know where it's from? Uh, so the article is from Axios. Oh, yep. Gotcha. I was going to say Axios, and then I was like, eh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. but an, a little bit of a off-putting thing is that, uh, is that the health department did say that the, um, no, sorry, that the article does say that because of the health department is appealing the rule, and so it, there is an automatic stay. Re- repealing placed. the rule, right? No, appealing. Oh. So they're they're looking into it and seeing if this is okay. <laughs> okay, wow. And so um, there is an automatic stay placed on this order, <clears throat> uh, which means that this... Um, this mask mandate gets to stay until they uh, further go through this ruling. Wow. Uh, to see if it's if this is a okay, okay court case. Wow. Uh, but yeah. So that that's what happened with that. <laughs> and then in another in another thing that recently happened was uh, the retirement of Justice Breyer. Ah uh, yes, I'm glad you glad you brought this up. All right, what yeah. do you got? Yeah, well, I'm, <clears throat> all I'm going to say is that now Biden gets to appoint mm. a justice. Yep. And that he's already said that he is planning on appointing a black woman <laughs> uh, right. justice. You know, the next time that they claim to want to end racism, I, I, I'm just like, you have no grounds to say that you're like i literally you're like i have to fill this position i'm gonna look at skin color and gender that's it like that's as deep as this goes and like oh it's it's good to know that we're in safe hands like yeah yeah and that that is a question that arose when i was looking at this article was that is this legal really because you're because of uh, the Constitution, you're yeah. you're not allowed to discriminate. Right, exactly. And, <clears throat> however, I do have to say, and and not that that it makes it still makes it right. It's uh, just that nothing happened with Trump when he said he want when he wanted to appoint a justice, and so, um, he wanted a woman justice. Ugh. Yep. With, um, yep. what was her name again? Barrett. Amy Comey Barrett. Barrett. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There we go. We got a lemon. But, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't necessarily know <clears throat> if this would be a problem legally. Uh, I, all I'm saying is that it wasn't a problem with Trump, and mm. I don't know why it wasn't a problem because if. if oh, yeah. Because they were it, going after him with everything they could. So mm-hmm. if this actually was on the books, right. then they could, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. So, and of course, just like uh, his vice president pick, this will probably not be a good appointee. 
and yep. and so I, I just wanted to bring that up just in case people didn't hear about this that the news that the the retirement of Justice Breyer and also that Biden is appointing a black woman. So yep. I just wanted to bring that up. There's no article tied with this um, just because I didn't want to go too in-depth with it, just talking about that that's, that's something that has, that has happened. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, thanks, Jake, um, for breaking that down. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually not as familiar with um, that particular justice, so I would love um, maybe sometime in the future we could um, – we could break down what his record, you know, what his record looked like uh, prior to his retirement and just see, you know, I mean, I doubt that he was any good um, <laughs> given what, uh, you know, but uh, I, I would love to, to know exactly what it is that he, he did and what, you know, we're replacing him with. I mean, obviously he's from an older generation. So generally they're not as corrupt and not as morally uh, declined so I think this next pick is obviously going to be worse. Um, that's yeah. what they do. They get progressively worse. Um, so, yeah, I would be interested to see what his record was like, though. But cool. Thank you, Jake, for, for bringing all that up. Appreciate it. Yep. And uh, now we maybe leave the New York twilight zone of strangeness and uh, see what Joe's got going on. <laughs> oh. I'm going to continue in the New York. Oh, all right. Because I'm talking about New York police. Oh, wow. So Mm. there was a New York police officer who was a 22 year old male who has got shot. And um, I don't remember all the details on it, but he was um, he is now be being called a hero because he got shot. Anyway, the the news article for that is called. The White House blames underfunding uh, blames the underfunding Ooh, yes. of some police departments for violent crime spike. Yep. And, and this <clears throat> what this is talking uh, this in here it takes place in the New um, New York New York Times. No, the the Tribune. New York um, Police Department. The oh, NY- sorry. I'm gonna stop throwing out names. That's my bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm just throwing this you off. This is Fox News. Jeez. This is Fox <laughs> okay. News. Okay, like um, New York uh, Times uh, Tribune. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Joe. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and and later on in this um, article is it Psyche, Jen Psyche. Oh, oh, Jen Saki. Oh. Jen Saki. I cannot pronounce her <laughs> it's, name. It's pronounced Saki, but I, I say Jen Saki. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, she pointed out uh, to gun violence as a huge reason for the uptick in crime as well as the underfunding of some police departments and their need for additional resources. Quite frankly, it's kind of very funny to think because everybody back in 2020, no, twenty. 21 george floyd i'm, I'm just gonna say <laughs> yeah, that um, george floyd <laughs> um everybody george was like we need to defund the police defund the police and yeah. now they're now they're being hypocritical and saying defunding the police is the reason why we have high crime right right <laughs> uh, it, it's just one of those things that i just saw and i'm like yeah it's it's just very hypocritical about yes. the everybody saying um, even the BLM got a little part in here. So if you wanted <laughs> to read what they said in this article, be my guest, we'll, wow. we'll put it in the description, yeah. but it's crazy to think that everyone is saying, Oh, the problem is the police system. We need to defund the police. And then now li- we're literally saying right. the reason we have such a high crime <clears throat> spike is because we have 
a defunded police system. Yeah. I don't know. Found yeah. it interesting. Yep. Yep. So that's all I um, have. Yeah. Instead of actually attempting to remedy or rectify the real issues in our police department, they just cut funding to them entirely, which, you know, obviously does lead to more crime. Um, rather than saying, you know, hey, we're going to take try and take a, a less violent approach or, hey, we're not going to allow them to um, get people to say, you know, whatever that we want them to say, you know, all of that. There's there's a lot that could be said about that. Um, but they just went straight for the, you know, money and just said, no, nope, no money at all. You're no money. So you, you're not allowed to carry out justice at all, which I thought was very crazy, crazy. <clears throat> that was my only article for this cool. week. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. All right. Um, so, continuing with the New York Twilight Zone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. No, oh, I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> okay. This is actually. I, I would have been surprised if all three of us did right, something right. on New York. I mean, I'm one state off. This Kay. is about Pennsylvania, actually. Oh. Uh, um, quick, find something from New York. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I'll, I'll, all right. Uh, what can I say about New York? Let's see. Continue this trend here. <clears throat> so, um,. Okay, this will shock you. Oh, no. Unless you've been paying attention, in which case you'll be like, yep, saw this coming a mile away. Um, okay, here's a quote from a public school board, and they say public school in the title. Here's a quote from a government school board member. Um, I have to fix it, Joe. I have to. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> Jake was using that term earlier, and I was like, yes, score, government school, not public school. All right, anyways. Um, so a quote from them is, uh, this dude literally said, no, I don't work from you. Um, and uh, that the headline is, uh, this public, you know, public school board member absolutely shreds parents and taxpayers in brutal op-ed, but observers are fighting back. The, the way that they're fighting back is like, really? I mean, really? The way you should be responding to this is, Oh, yeah, thanks for waking me up to the truth that, yeah, you actually don't work for me. I'm going to get my kids out of here and not keep sending them to you. But no, that's not how they're fighting back. So they're not really fighting back. Anyways, uh, some bullet points from this article. <clears throat> A PA government school board member, uh, his name is Richard Robinson, uh, Robinson wrote an op-ed for the York Dispatch. And uh, some quotes directly from the article, Robinson told parents, you sound like a bully when threatening to move children out of the district over this masking nonsense. So, a, bu a bully. They're there. Those children belong to those parents, and you're claiming that they are bullies for threatening to pull them out when you are forcing them to put face diapers on their face. To be fair, they should have pulled them out years ago, decades ago. But okay, we failed up until this point. Now we actually are going to use some of the leverage that we have because they're our children and you're going to say that we're bullies. Wow. Okay. That should give you a little insight into their perspective. They think they own your children and you are a bully when you try and pull your children out. That's their perspective here. Um, he also lowered, uh, the article says, he lowered the boom on, and then here's the quote from uh, Robinson, parents who make the pretentious statement phrased as a, for, uh, a foregone question, don't, uh, hold on, don't parents always know what's best for their child? And then uh, Robinson goes, no, we don't. Nevertheless, if you are offended because I don't believe parents are infallible, you can always sue to, or take your child out of school. Your choice. And the parents should respond collectively. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, they're gone. Mm -hmm. We're getting them yeah. out. Like, yeah. I just, 
I, at this point, do not understand how parents can still send their children to these government indoctrination camps. How in the world are they not awake yet? Because they're not involved. I mean, yeah. a lot of people are, both parents are involved in full-time jobs. Yep. And they they don't pay attention to what's yep. going on, what's going on in schools. That's Absolutely. why. Yeah. It's, I, it's insane. I find the most surprising thing is that videos and TV shows depict schools as being these places full of bullies. Yeah. And this whole hierarchy of who is popular right. and stuff. <laughs> and why why a parent would willingly send their child to that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Totally. I know. Makes zero sense. Last week, the Democratic Party of Michigan took down a social media post claiming, and here we go, you guys ready for this? Claiming that the purpose of public education is not to teach what parents want their kids taught, but what society needs them to know. Whoa. That's what they, that, that's the Democratic Party of Michigan. The purpose of public education is not to teach what parents want their kids taught, but what society needs them to know. They're saying that those children belong to the state, that they're not, they're, they don't belong to the parents, they belong to the state. So now, not only is the civil government overstepping its bounds in the church's realm, in taking care of the poor, in taking care of the needy, but now they're overstepping their bounds in the family's realm as well and saying that these children don't belong to the parents, they belong to the state. They're flat out saying this now. You can't ignore this anymore. Um... Nicole McCleary, who ran unsuccessfully last year for the school board, responded with, and here's her quote, I care about the impact their decisions have uh, or have had on my children's mental health. And I exercise my right to remind them of it. Um, but you're not. You're speaking words. You're going in front of the school board and you're in the comment section talking, but you're taking no action. You're not pulling your children out. You're not doing anything else that is threatening. They're not scared of you because they know you have no choice. They know they have your children and you're not going to do a darn thing about it. They're not scared of you. So I thought that was really interesting. And I can't believe they're just flat out saying this now. They're not even hiding it. Like it's just yeah. like the mask is gone. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, because they know that the, the parents are going to continue to keep yeah. their children in the schools. Yep. And they then they em. just teach the children not to do this. Yep. You know, they, they just show, oh, look at this. These parents are being stupid. Yes. Oh. Yes. Teach the kids teach the kids that this is stupid, and there we go. There you go. Yep. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's crazy. Uh, let's see. I've got one more, and um, this, one's, this one's insane. I mean, I feel like this is half the story, and the rest of this is going to come out later. This sounds like something from a science fiction, no, nay, horror movie. Um, oh. It's insane. And uh, guess who is the uh, uh, lord and master of this lord diabolical? Fauci? Yeah! Wait. Ding, ding, ding! Mm. Called it! Lord Fauci! Is hey. this that monkey one? It is the monkey one! Okay. Yeah. I, I really don't want to put this article up on the screen because it's kind of just gruesome looking. So I might just it's like icky. do a screenshot of the title because I don't want the image on the screen. Uh, it's that bad. Uh, Fauci's N-I-A-D-I-N-A... Yeah, okay, NIAD. There we go. There you Funding. Go. Uh, and I helped you with that the other week. You I did. helped you pronounce it. Now I can't even say it. It's written in That's front of all me. right. Uh, N I A I D. There we go. Funding Island of Monkeys in South Carolina used for horrific maximum pain 
experiments. Let me just back up. Read that again. What? Okay. Pain? Fauci's NIAID funding is funding an island of monkeys in South Carolina used for horrific maximum pain experiments. Well, so we're funding pain, but yet we have so much debt in our country yeah. that we're not huh? willing. We're, yeah. We want we're, to search pain? Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Continue going it, on. It gets worse. <laughs> Uh, Fauci is wasting millions of tax dollars to subsidize a secretive island where primates are bred for his labs that inflict punishing pain on monkeys and ghoulishly withhold pain relief. And that's according to Devin Murphy, who is a public policy and communications manager at White Coat Waste Project. Approximately 600 monkeys are taken from Morgan Island per year and shipped to some of the federal government's most painful and cruel laboratories or laboratories in this sense uh, for animal research. As of June 30th, 2019, there were 3,044 primates living on Morgan Island, with 77% of the population being females, according to documents obtained by White Coat Waste Project through a Freedom of Information Act request. Those FOIA acts, those things are pretty dang awesome. It is estimated that approximately 750 newborn monkeys are born on the island to await their potential use for vivisection each year and that essentially means dissection for scientific purposes so let's kill the monkeys and save the turtles uh, yeah right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes well it, at least now they are actually being consistent with their worldview and they're not just killing human babies they're now doing it to monkeys too so wait 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 i thought evolutionists said we came from monkeys oh wait that's apes never mind <laughs> same thing right joe <laughs> Yay, we're we're, Same difference. we're 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 killing our origin quote yeah. quote. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to bring this up just because I mean, one, it's another nail in Fauci's coffin. But then two, it is it was just really interesting. And I was like, well, that's intriguing. I would want to discuss some of the theological ramifications of some of these things. Um but also, I probably would want to know what actually this is being used for. Um, so, yeah. Not to mention it's our taxpayer dollars. It is. Yes. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. That is the most important thing that we should capitalize that just literally escaped my mind. So I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. My my hard-earned money of me yeah. being an electrician yep. is going to funding these yep. monkeys. Exactly. Yeah. That That is the ridiculous part of it. Yep. Yep, should not be done. Um, all right, well, those are my articles. Anyone else have anything to add before we move on to the literature segment? All right, so I'll give Joe's excited doing a dance over there. Um, <laughs> I will uh, give a little bit of an introduction because we did something kind of differently with this uh, this week. Uh, but our literature this month is The Confessional County by Raymond Simmons. And uh, this week we read chapter seven. We um, sort of started to read chapter eight, but chapter eight's like 19 or 20 pages long. There's a lot in there. And really, we just we didn't want to like clump it in here. There was a lot in chapter seven we wanted to talk about. So um, and it was kind of a busy week for all of us anyways. So we were like, oh, this works because there is a week in February where we're actually we were going to be just reading one chapter. So now we can group that in with the other chapters. So works out pretty well uh, in the end. So. 
Yes, so we read chapter seven, and uh, as always, we'll do our new format. So walk through some bullet new points. New and improved. New and improved format, right? So, uh, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> our first question. Uh, really, these are more like topic headers. So we're like, this is a topic header. What did we find most interesting about these chapters? So um, I'll start with my first bullet point and we'll go from there and kind of discuss it. Uh, we have a, a lot, I think a lot less to discuss this time. Um, so it'll be a little shorter, which is fine too. Um, so on page 75, Simmons introduces a new term um, and he's termed this natural or uh, yeah, natural, uh-huh national confessionalism and says that it points to the civil magistrates obligation to confess Christ as Lord of their nation officially, end quote. So uh, before I move on to my next uh, bullet point, did you guys have anything you wanted to add about the term national confessionalism and what that actually means? No. Okay. No. Just, nope. um, okay. All right. Well, we'll keep going because we are going to expound on that as we go. So, Okay, so he goes on to explain on pages 76 and 78 um, what the implications are of Jesus having been made both Lord and Christ, which he derives, uh, that, that distinction he derives from Acts chapter 2, verse 36, which says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So um, I think that's that's important to note. And I, I wanted to draw that out because I thought that was cool. Um, and uh, was there anything on that on that topic that you guys wanted to, to bring up or mention or tie into something else? Go ahead, Jake. Yeah. So um, I, I was basically talking about the beginning of chapter seven and how he was talking about Christ after Christ's death. The disciples were to preach not only uh, of the salvation of Christ, but that Christ was king. Mm, and in that yeah. fits in. So my quote comes a little bit before, um, I think, that the quote that you said. Ah, okay, um, cool. But uh, here it was, uh, Peter's sermon at Pentecost, the primordial, primordial Christian sermon, climaxed with the critical point that David is not king. Jesus is, and he will reign until he makes all of his enemies his footstool. Nice. And yeah. I think something important here, and the important takeaway from this quote and from this point is that Christ is king now, and we should be actively involved and should care about his kingdom. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's also that uh, Psalms 2 uh, quote, a little bit of Psalms 2 thrown in there too. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, and this whole chapter is is a lot about that. I, I, I really love how just like every chapter, Simmons brings up so many more verses that talk about um, the all the, the, the facets of the gospel that the Christian church today has just thrown away. And we've simplified it down to the milk. And that's all that we ever teach. Seasoned Christians who have been in church for like decades, most of their life, they still get the milk of the word. They still get the basic version of the gospel that's not the entirety of the gospel it's a small sliver that says christ died for you you individually live for him none of that is wrong that's true but they're they're they're, they're confining christ to this small area of their life instead of what christ actually provides which is an entire uh, a world 
you know, a societal change on a societal level. Individual, family, church, state, all of them were changed, you know, by Christ and what, what he's done. So, yeah, um, every chapter, Simmons just brings this up again and again, and he figures out new ways to state this. It's just, I, it's just when you think, he, there's no way he can state this another way. He finds another verse. It's like, what the heck? I had no idea there were so many verses in the Bible that talked about this, but there are. It's, it, it's really amazing. It's crazy how he's able to back up a lot of yeah. his points. Yeah, and, and, verse and after more. verse after verse, yeah. That's what the church should be doing. Yes, exactly, Joe. Exactly. <laughs> Taking these verses and yes. applying them to life today. Yes, yes, precisely. Yep. Um, so Simmons expounds on that verse. And uh, that uh, verse that he's expounding on is Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Um, and he says, and this is Simmons' quote, both Lord and Christ is important here. The gospel brings a new societal order as well as salvation, which is what we were just discussing, right? The disciples were to preach Jesus as king to the people, and they were to preach him as king to existing kings, end quote. Um, and I think that's that's what Jake was just saying, right? Yeah. That's that's that. I, I Maybe it's the same quote or a slightly different quote later on, but... Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, the the disciples were doing this. They were going and preaching to the kings of all of the of Athens, of uh, cities I can't even pronounce, right? Going to these places and saying, "Repent! You are not the you you know you are not the one true king. This is the one true king. He is higher than you. You need to be under him." <clears throat> so, um. I'll do one more bullet point and then we can discuss. And then I have two more before the end of this section. Um, so on page 76, Simmons goes into great detail discussing how Paul was arrested, not just because he preached part of the gospel, but the whole gospel. In fact, in Act, uh, Acts, uh, I got to write that. There it is. 17 verse 7. We see um, that he was accused of saying there is another king, Jesus. Paul, in the same chapter, says that Christ is Lord over both heaven and earth, effectively calling the people of Athens to obey Christ's earthly rule. So Acts 17, 7. So, I mean, Acts is just full of verses talking about what they did and confronting the culture, confronting the kings and, and calling them to repentance, calling them to serve Christ on a societal national level, right? This whole chapter is about national confessionalism, right? That's what these disciples did. People who were taught directly by Jesus, who founded much of what we call the modern church, right? That's what they did. All right, discussion. Since you brought up Acts, uh, Acts 17, just Acts in general, and yeah. how, how you were talking about how Paul, um, or talking about preaching the gospel yeah. and, and, and things of that nature, Um one thing we really have to point to, and what was Paul, or the one thing we have to really take away from the story uh, towards the end of Acts and, and Paul's journey, is what was Paul's job? What was he mm. doing? He was going to Nero Caesar. He was going to Nero Caesar to preach the gospel mm. to Nero Caesar because... The whole gospel. He yeah. was, Because Nero was not a believer. I, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong yeah. on that. But... Obviously, that there, there's a reason why Paul was going up. He was essentially disobeying the government and mm. decided he's going to go right up to Nero Caesar and say, Hey, Nero Caesar, you need to follow Christ. This yes. is something that you 
are failing at and you need yes. to turn your ways. Yes. He was dissenting. If you mm, will. Indeed. <laughs> and, and and the more more reason why I bring this up is because a lot of people like to take the chapter and verse in Romans 13 about how we <laughs> yes. are submit to submit the gov- to yes. the government. Yes. Well, what was Paul really doing? Was he literally submitting to the government when he's going mm. up and willing to be yes. executed, to be, willing to be put in prison? Yep. To go up to Nero Caesar and be to just to go to Nero Caesar and then be executed. Mm. Yep. Just and, and that just is like how how can a lot of Christians say we're just supposed to for one just stand back and let the government do what the government wants to do and let the church do whatever they want to do. Yeah. It's one of those things that it, it all ties in together. We are supposed to be involved in government. Mm. And when the government is telling us to do things that are unchristian, we are supposed to rise up as Christians and, and show that we are supposed to be involved in, yes. in, in this world. Awesome. Fantastic <laughs> observations. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Um, so my next two oh, points. Did oh, yeah, Jake go ahead. Have a point? No, just that something interesting is that also Paul not only did that, but he's also the writer of Romans. Right. <laughs> in Romans 13. Yeah, I think that so, was Joe's point. You know, like mm-hmm, people like yeah. to use that verse, but what did the person who wrote it? He led by example. What did he do? <laughs> you know? Right. We right. were literally talking about that, leading by example in yeah. church today. Yeah, oh, that's true. Talking about elders, right? Mm-hmm. And their their roles in the church. Yeah, leading by example. Yep. Yeah, I heard a sermon on Romans 13, and the, the pastor said, you must sub- submit to rightful mm. authority. Yes, like we and were talking about in God and government. Yeah. 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 Yep. As long as that authority is following biblical yes. uh, scripture, then uh, we shall yeah. follow it. Yeah. But it was descriptionary. Not, yeah. It was right. describing what a what a, a uh, um, what's the right word? What a a valid um, a valid civil government looks like. These are the things that they do, and I can tell you right now, our civil government based on that description in Romans 13, is not a valid government that has authority from God. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point, Jake. Thanks for connecting those dots. Um, all right. Last two points in this section, and we'll move on to the second section. I have a point after your two All points, right, so. great. Well, I'll bring these up, and then we'll go into that. So Simmons adds to this conversation on page 77 by saying, and here's his quote, a little bit of a long quote, but it's a really good one. Um, We don't want to say that Paul was only talking about obedience to earth's new king. He was also talking about man's salvation. And actually these two go together. Jesus's kingship was indispensable to this gospel message, especially for idolatrous cities. They could not have their idolatry and Jesus, end quote. Um, so that, that just really quickly make a statement that that, that's actually, that's the twofold, right? That's personal, um, the personal salvation on an individual level that every person who's, you know, been grafted in and and has been a, a new creation in Christ. That is that personal gospel that, that church always likes to talk about, which is brilliant. That's great. Harp on that. Good. But they like to they like to ignore the other half, which is what is the outcome of that? What does that do? What is that the rest of that gospel? What does that bring to society? That transforms on a fundamental level 
everything you do and everything the society does. So they like to ignore that for some reason because partially it means that they don't have to work as hard. They can just talk about this personal gospel and put Christ over here and the rest of life is over here. I mean, a couple months ago, we were talking about the sacred and the secular, right? Mm -hmm. You can have Christ on Sunday, but you don't have to do anything else in society with involving Christ and his word, God and his word ever again. Just Sunday. That's it. So, um, final point for this, uh, to wrap up this segment, Simmons brought in first Timothy chapter one, verse 17, where Paul's protege, he said protege, which I thought was really cool. Uh, a Timothy says, and here's his quote, or actually this is first Timothy one 17. Yeah. Quote from <laughs> Timothy, right? Uh, now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, and the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I thought that was really powerful and potent and uh simmons was saying that too this is he said one of the most beautiful benedictions in the bible um so i i thought it was worth stating so go ahead joe you had another point you wanted to add the last point that i wanted to make in the that i found most uh, um interesting um in this book uh was on page 72 and 73 and i'm a gun guy and i saw <laughs> nrn here but apparently the original um, acronym for oh, NRA yes. is National Reform, yeah, Reform Association. And that was an association that was, um, I think it was founded before President Abraham Lincoln. But they, mm. were, they were known around uh, President Abraham Lincoln. And they were the ones that were advocating for the elimination. Yeah. <laughs> Elimination. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm thinking of the movies with the minions. Elimination. Oh, okay. <laughs> Elimination of the slavery and amend the Constitution is mm. what they were really going for. Yeah. I think they also wanted, um, they said one of the biggest reasons that uh, our country was having issues with slavery was because they did not, from the outset, declare and put in the Constitution that this is a nation under Christ mm -hmm. and Christ is the king of America that wasn't put in our constitution. And these people were not happy about that, mm -hmm. um, which I thought was really, really interesting. This was early, early on. I mean, 20, 30 years after the constitution was, was created. Um, there's already a group saying it's already wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we're already off to a bad start. We need to fix this now before it gets worse. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't, but Abraham Lincoln was supposed to, but because he got shot yeah. uh, during his he second said he term, was going to, yeah. he said he was going to, but he wasn't able to because he was assassinated. Assassinated, yeah. Assassinated. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's according to the book. So yeah, yeah, and that's uh, beginning of chapter seven, I think he discusses yes. that. So um, definitely Page. look into that. We're not doing it justice. <laughs> there's a lot. There's so much more to, to discuss there. Um, but there was there was a decent amount in this chapter too. So it was like, oh my goodness, mm -hmm. trying to you know get all this in. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you you brought that up, Joe. That's a, that's really good to to mention. So definitely look into that again. Get the book if you have the book. Go to uh, what page is that? Like seventy one. That was seventy two and seventy seventy two seventy three. Okay, cool. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Um, okay, next segment. What did we find um, most surprising, as in something we'd, we'd heard before, but we didn't quite consider it that way? Like, we, we heard this, but we're like, oh, the way he stated it was, was really unique, and I like the way he stated it. So um, my first bullet point, um, and I've got a lot of uh, scripture passages at the end of this one that I want to just 
put up on screen because it's important that these are all there and you look these up on your own. Um, but on page 78, Simmons discusses even more biblical proofs of Christ's kingship over the entire earth and really zeroes in on his reign over the civil government, right? That's what national confessionalism is all about. So he zeroes in on that for this chapter. Um, he lists multiple biblical proofs, and I think it's important to also list them here. And so here they are. I'll have them up on screen, so definitely check these out. Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. Also, Psalms uh, 110, verses uh, 1 to 2. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Isaiah um, verses, or chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Acts chapter 2, verses 33 through 36. Matthew 28, uh, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 22. And then finally, uh, uh, Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. So, um, I'm saying these all out loud for podcast listeners. If you guys want to, you know, pause it, scrub back, listen to those again, look them up. It's really, really important. I mean, when we first started this show, one of the big things we wanted to promote was you doing your own research, you looking this up, right? Unlike Don Lemon, we actually think it's important for you to look up some of these things on your own and do your own research. Um, so do your own research, look these things up, look these verses up and read through these verses. Um, so, okay. So let's see. So that's my first bullet point. You guys want me to do a second one? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. He goes on to briefly describe what people mean when they say they want national confessionalism. So these are the proponents, the people who want national confessionalism. Um, I think I speak for us all when I say that's what we want, right? <laughs> um, so Simmons says that they, emphasize the requirement for all nations to officially declare allegiance today to Jesus Christ in their public documents. The proponents of national confessionalism also want to devise political structures and policies that honor God and promote his justice, end quote. And I really like that last bit. Devise political structures and policies that honor God and promote his justice. Not not earthly justice, not what our own minds can concoct, but Biblical, truthful justice created by God, which he's given to us to utilize. Um, you know, I, I've been reading through the book of Deuteronomy. And, I mean, the, the amount of judicial and justice that is in that book is astounding. The principles that we should be learning from that book as a church and as a civil government are just amazing and, and, and extremely immense. But we don't. We just throw all of that away and we want earthly justice instead, which fails and is not true justice. Um, who wants to add to that? Anybody have anything to, to add to that real quick? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, okay. I'll do one more. Here we go. This will prompt a discussion. All right. I also mm -hmm. find it very interesting how he joined social and national confessionalism together and discussed that both are important and essentially two sides of the same coin. On uh, page 79, he says, social confessionalism and national confessionalism can both be exercised in the confessional county. The concept of Christendom brings both types of confessionalism together such that one could not imagine them separate end quote so i thought that was cool um and i'd love to discuss this with you guys you know the aspects of social and national confessionalism what did you guys get from that i know it's a big question but are there any any anything that stood out to you that you want to compare and contrast between national and social confessionalism anything that was interesting um I, I definitely resonated with his last point where he said you know we we couldn't imagine them being separate which was hard for me to like, okay, we've been talking about social confessionalism up until this point. And then he's talking about national confessionalism. And I'm like, how is it different? You know, how are they separate? Uh, did anyone else like 
think those same sort of things? I think so. And like they, they both feel like very broad and large uh, things like 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 it is national. Um, yeah, there's a lot it involved. It feels like social social is just the the culture. Societal. Basically. Yeah. Right. Right. And so they they do seem like big things. Yeah. And that's that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. All encompassing. Yep. Cool. Anything you want to add, Joe? I was just confused, and I just need to continue reading it. Back <laughs> yes. And trying gotcha. to understand it more. Gotcha. Yeah. There's there's definitely a lot here for sure. Um, okay. Wrapping up this section, um, Simmons offers essentially a call to action and says, here's his quote, if national confessionalism is a requirement and if God also sees subordinate governments as distinct, such as the county government, right, can we not perform this duty at the county level? Which brings us to our third and final question. What part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And our theme is, what does it really mean to be salt and light in this dark world? And so, going off my last point, you know, if national confessionalism is a requirement, which it is, and if God also sees subordinate governments as distinct, which he does, and we've gone through that, right? The county or the city can get out from the land curse of the country by confessing uh, Christ, right? So those two things are true. We need to do it, and we can do it on a smaller level. It doesn't have to be across the whole country. What can we now do to be salt and light in this dark world? What can we start doing now to start doing that? So my first bullet point, Simmons brought up Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10, which says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Um, he noted how fluidly Isaiah transitions from the people to the rulers or the civil government and stated that God calls the people of a nation to obey him. But he also specifically singles out the representative heads of the nation, the civil government, to obey his word too, specifically, right? So the people, yes. But then in this passage, actually, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 10, he's God is specifically calling out the civil government and saying, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers, right? Rulers hear the word, people hear the word, right? He singled them out. So I thought that was really interesting to note. Did you guys want to add to that or, or discuss that at all? That specifically, no, no but I had um, a, um, a quote that I kind of wanted to throw in yeah. kind of around this area. Cool, go um, ahead. And that was um, on page 77, it was um, uh, something that William... Simonton was stating and then a, a, a statement afterwards of his statement there. And it, it's literally the next paragraph after the uh, Williams quote that uh, Simmons used. And it said, a, na a nation is bound to make a profession of religion just as much as an individual, individual is. Hmm. Uh, and then um, yeah. na uh, following... A little bit later, it, he asks, can it be true that re God requires nations to confess him? And I found that that interesting as a fact of, you know, our, our articles are, and our um, constitution says uh, freedom of religion. Well, mm -hmm. in that aspect, according to this book, it really is saying that our nation literally does have to choose a religion, not just yeah. be completely free right. it, it, it right. chooses yeah and 
at this moment in time, it feels like it's more of a paganistic country now. It does. I and I think that's a conversation we need to have more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I, I've done a lot of reading on this specific topic and and especially studying what Simmons is talking about, you know, uh, letting idolatry crop up in the land destroyed Israel. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's why Israel was demolished as a nation, right? They're gone. They were wiped out because they allowed idolatry constantly to keep cropping up in their land. Mm -hmm. And then what do we do with the constitution? Right off the bat, we say freedom of freedom of religion. Well, we'll let any idolatrous, religion crop up in the land instead of confession confessing on a level now jake's over there and i understand why i I actually know why he's he's shaking his head i i get it he's like back and forth i totally understand because what that part of the constitution did do and we've actually had this discussion so i'd love for you to chime in too is it said the government itself is not allowed to shut down a church or shut down a, a cathedral or whatever because they disagree on that level with mm-hmm. that denomination or whatever. And actually, um, that whole separation between church and state we've talked about, which is Thomas Jefferson was uh, received a letter from a Baptist, uh, con- uh, what do they call it? Convention of Baptist, uh, I forget what they call it. It was a group of Baptist churches that wrote to Thomas Jefferson and said, hey, we're scared about this new document because we don't want you to shut us down because you disagree with Baptists. Like maybe he was Lutheran or whatever. Um, are we going to be at the the whim of whoever's in, in you know, is there going to be a state religion, essentially, is what they were asking, right? Um, and so if you didn't fit into that, would the state have the power to, like, destroy you and shut down your church, right? Um, so is that is that what you were going to bring up? And he, he was saying, no, we're not going to do that. Go ahead. Right, right. So the whole separation of church and state as we understand it today is is a myth. myth. Mm-hmm. And yep. Definitely the the first part of the uh, the first part of the Constitution, our understanding of it today, and what I feel like what the what the news media wants you to think of the the uh, Article One of the Constitution is that we are to have uh, sep- we are to have separation of church and state as we we can kind of consider it. And, but that's, that's not really what they mean. And even if you look at the constitution in the first article, um, I don't have it up right now. I can, I can bring it up, but it, the, the wording, uh, doesn't really mean that we, we aren't allowed to have, so it, it was that we weren't allowed, people were saying that we we're not allowed to have religion brought into government. But that's not what it is. It's mm, more of right. that government isn't allowed to um, force churches to teach something or right. force a state to teach a certain religion. And yeah. I would agree with that for the most part because I think it's kind of the church's job to reform the culture mm, saying that yeah. um they should um the churches should be the ones going out saying hey you you're wrong in what you believe and right come over this way you know right so i, I don't think it should be the government so, doing that yes and i would be inclined to agree with you um i would be interested to get your take on how you reconcile our current 
that, that current standpoint with what um, Simmons is saying. I, I think they can be reconciled. I'm just not sure what that reconciliation looks like. How do you, you know, how do they combine? But what, you know, what he's talking about is on a national level, confessing Christ and saying, we, as the nation of America, right, we worship Christ collectively. We belong to Christ. That's what he's calling for. That's national confessionalism, right? So, so how do you reconcile that with the Constitution, the way it's written, which essentially would not condone that, would not allow for that kind of a confession? Do you think it needs to be changed? Do you think Simmons' uh, interpretation of this is, is wrong? What, what are your thoughts on that? I know it's a big topic, so I'm just like dropping this on you. But what, what is your knee-jerk response to that? I think maybe revising the Constitution to better understand what it actually what it what it actually means and what it's actually trying to say there. And I think what it means there is that uh, basically the civil government cannot impede on the actions of the church government. Right. Um, so, um, you know, part of that conversation is uh, what is a valid church? You know, what, what does a, a valid church look like? Would, a, you know, an Islamic mosque or, or whatever be considered a valid church government? You know, those, I think these are the sorts of things we need to consider and, and really understand. Is this uh, on that level, what is idolatry and where is the civil government allowed to go and step in? So for us, in order to call it a church government, we're following the Bible, right? And so yep. in order for it to be a valid church, I think it would also need to be following the Bible. Yeah. And so, yeah. So And that's, and that's what I would say to that point. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. These are, these are discussions that uh, I think are really important to have, um, seeing as how historically when a nation, not just Israel, but Rome and Greece and <laughs> all and nations throughout history, when they start to accept idolatry, you know, they allow that to fester and, and grow as a cancer in their country. It poisons it and it, it eventually destroys it, crumbles it from the inside out. Its foundation is gone. So, yeah, I think we need to be discussing these sorts of things more. Yep. And actually, I, I just realized I didn't really answer your question before of how I, <laughs> how I would concede the two. And how I would concede it is saying that I think, yes, the politicians and the people inside of the government should be confessing Christ. But I don't think that is that should come from that should be because the government saying you must believe in the Bible I think right. that's and the now, church actually doing their job yes. and teaching and, the politicians and teaching the people so that yes. unless they confess Christ in in the government, the people will vote them out or or they'll right. or they'll be at least uh scorned for what for not doing Yes. That. And I think you've hit you've hit upon the distinction. You know, the, the, and that's an important distinction to make, you know, what, where's the line, you know, at what point is the civil government out of it? Right. So mm -hmm. I believe they should, it should be in our documents that Christ is our King. The Bible is our standard, but at the same time, we're not going to take a, you know, take a gun and say, confess Christ now or die. You know, like, no, that's not at all that's not, what the civil government should be doing. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, so no one's going to gain faith from the end of a barrel. Exactly. Exactly. And that's vitally important. That's not at all what the Bible calls for, what God is, is looking for here. And, and the founding fathers got that aspect of it, which was great. I just wish that they also, and I think Simmons and the NRA of the early 1800s said the same thing, wish that the founding fathers had on that other level said, put in their documents that the Bible is our standard, Christ is our standard, and confess him publicly as a nation that way. So, yeah, there's a difference between saying we are a Christian nation and we're going to confess Christ and then actually going to the citizens and, you know, harming them physically. There's a difference between that or making, you know. So, yeah. Yep. Great to bring that up. Thank you, Jake. Yep. And I think a lot of people get confused with that. So that's really good that you uh, brought that distinction up. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you knew where we were going. That was good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, the main thing that I was really wanting to get to was that the nation obviously has to um, confess saying uh, a religion. And as an open open government, if you will, we ha- us having being able to have our own elections, the more Christians that we have in our yes. government, the more our country is going to confess the one true holy yes. God. Yes. Yep. Yes, it, it's uh, our fight is what's that verse? Not against um, uh, people. It's against uh, powers and principalities. That's mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a uh, that's a key point to to recognize. You know, we are fighting this on a theological level, on a societal level, but it's a spiritual battle that we're, and you know. That's that's the the battle that we are fighting, and it is a battle. It is a spiritual battle every day to to fight that fight. Um, but yes, you are not going to cause someone to come to faith um, with the barrel of a gun. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, two more points, and then we'll uh, close. We'll wrap up. Then we'll close. I think one of the biggest takeaways from this chapter is that the civil government does not just get a free pass to do whatever it wants, just as the church, family, and individual governments are commanded to obey the word of God, the civil government is bound to implement God's perfect justice. When any of these governments turn away from God's perfect word, they bring heavy consequences to their land. And that's kind of been the purpose of point of this whole book. So um, one of the most important things we can do is to be salt and light in this world. Um, One of the most important things we can do to to be salt and light in this world is to constantly be searching for ways in which uh, any of these four governments individual, family, church, and state are turning away from the responsibilities given to them by God. And when we find these errors, we should be working to preserve our country by repairing them, hence the salt aspect, right? Um, oh, yeah, I just thought of it. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirit and principalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. I, I got to look up that verse, actually. <laughs> Powers and principalities. Powers and principalities. Yeah. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. Thank you. I think it also depends on the translation, too. So I'm, like, trying to remember it in, like, one translation, but I'm getting, like, two of them jumbled together. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, that that's an, that's a really important verse. In fact, maybe we should make that our verse for next week. Would be good to consider, too. Yeah. Um, and discuss that more. All right. Cool. Well, anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up? No. Nope. Uh, two more bullet points Whoa, that I have two. that we just right. didn't get to. Yes. Um, but... Uh, talking about this whole question of um, how are we to be salt and light, and I kind of want to wanted to bring this 
these these two points of kind of encouragement for for those uh, for for individuals. Um, and so all of the talk about national and social conventionalism culminates into this chapter. And um, and this is where we as individuals come in. And some might say that national and societal, those are very large and broad things um, that a, a small church can't even attempt to go that big <laughs> that quickly. Right. And so I think when um, Mr. Simmons comes in in Chapter 7, he's tying them in, talking about national and social confessionalism, and bringing that into what extent confessional county looks like hmm. starting small and what small churches can do they they don't have to focus on the world or they don't have to focus on even america they focus on their county and if each church yes. focuses on their county yes. then sooner or later the entire united states entire eastern sorry <laughs> entire western hemisphere world, yeah. And yeah even more so the world yeah so I think that's a little bit of encouragement to those yes. who are part of a small church or just a church in general and are seeing this large topic and a little bit overwhelmed by hmm. how much yes. we have to do. Mm -hmm. And yes. I, I think another encouragement and another bullet point which I wanted to bring up was Mr. Simmons, uh, uh, through talking about uh, the Gentiles and the age of Christendom. Uh, he oh, also yeah. was talking about after Christ told his disciples to go therefore, we have had centuries <laughs> of Christendom since. Mm. So after that, uh, after Christ said, Great go commission. therefore to yeah. disciples, right? Um, we've had ages of Christendom and, and actually it's it's mm. called the age of Christendom because since Constantine which was not long after or maybe a little bit longer but I think it was either indirectly or directly um, caused by the um, the Great Commission and so if if we do the same in going out and changing culture the way yeah. that Paul and all the all the other disciples did, then that changing culture in that biblical culture that we create will last mm. for centuries. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, really, really good points to bring up. Um, all of that. I'm just, I'm just gonna let that sit there. <laughs> that's that's good stuff. Awesome. Anything you want to add, Joe, before we wrap up? No, that's all that I had that I can think of. Okay. All right. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Uh, if you disagree, provide some verses. Let's talk about it. We want to yes. We want to have a conversation. You can do that by sending us an email at uh, trdshow at protonmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to um, get some emails from you and, uh, we'd be very excited to read those. So, um, yes, a huge, I wanted to thank, uh, just kind of our whole research team. We've got a lot of people working behind the scenes and one day we might announce their names, but for now they shall re remain anonymous. But, uh, we definitely could not produce this show at this level without, uh, the people helping us out. So 
you know who you are. Thank you all. <laughs> um, so yes, send us some emails thanking our staff and our crew. That would be awesome. They would really appreciate that. Um, so uh, yes. So again, you can share this show with as many people as you possibly can by going to our website, which is trdshow.net. Please, please grab that link, trdshow.net. And uh, share that with all sorts of people, as many people as you can. We really, really want to get the word out. Um, it's been a little challenging as of late to start boosting our numbers to the next phase that we need to get to. So really, if you want to help this show grow, best thing you can do is grab that link and share it with people. So please, please help us out with that. We really need to get the word out about the show in order to move on to uh, sponsorships potentially and, and some other things um, that we'd like to get uh, rolling on. So, um, but uh, yeah, that will contain a list of links um, to all of the many platforms we're on. And uh, we'll also uh, give your friends uh, some information about the show. So yes, well, I do believe that's everything. And uh, thank you all so much for watching and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. And remember everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord.